If you're hearing this podcast while using an Android device, make sure you head on over to the Google Play Store and check out the Podcast Republic app and see if it's right for you. There's thousands of good reviews out there telling you how wonderful it is so you don't have to listen to me. Check out the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store and see if you're ready to switch podcast players. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers, and with me, as always, is a man who just finished programming the show and is excited to turn that responsibility over to you, the Macho Man Drew. Andrew Lano, power to the people. That's right. That's right. I feel like like the, the tiniest version of like an old Nickelodeon thing. Oh, like the Kids' Choice Awards? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Or, um... The old Chuck E. Cheese ads where it's like, we're a kid, be a kid. Be a kid. It's like, oh, we're yeah. Doing, yeah we're, we're, but it's like, I swear there was a Nickelodeon promotion where like kids programmed the network or something like that. This is maybe I'm making this I up. think there was, oh, you know, it might have been, I think I'm going to guess it was called like Nicktoon Picktoon where like you could, yeah, like a TRL like situation where you could yes, request. Yes, exactly that. Yes. But I don't know if yes. it would have cost money like TRL. Apparently, I, I didn't know TRL cost money because I didn't watch TRL. My boyfriend did because he was like, my mom gave me an allotment and you could like, it was like a dollar or something. I don't, it must have been like a 1-900 number then. Like American Idol used to have a fee associated with it. I didn't know that about TRL and I, I watched think a lot it was. I'm assuming it was, I could be misremembering, but he said that. American Idol definitely had a financially based voting system, so which is it's possible TRL also yeah. did. Um, but yeah, that sounds vaguely familiar. Like you can, there was like a block once a month that was like programmed by you. Yeah, well, this month is programmed by you, the listener. Uh, this first episode uh, is from our Patreon tier that has been closed because we were afraid that we would never get to do anything but Patreon episodes. So, uh, this is uh, Michelle, our first Patreon supporters pick. Thank you, Michelle, for being with us for, for so long. Uh, let's hear it from Michelle as to what we're doing with pandemonium. Hi, Tripp and Andrew. It's Michelle. I'm very excited to hear your take on my, uh, Patreon listener choice of pandemonium. This is one of those movies that I probably shouldn't have been watching as a 10 or 11-year-old on HBO as I did back in the early 80s. Probably didn't understand most of the stuff, but it was pretty, as you like to say, bananas from what I remember. I watched this constantly as a kid. I don't know what the appeal was. Kind of goofy, a little kind of scary, especially for me, the non-horror person. But anyway, I hope you guys have fun with it. Either way, I know I'm going to enjoy what you guys have to say and how it goes. And if for some reason you don't like it, this can, you know, be payback for all those crazy movies you have uh, made me listen to you guys talk about. So anyway, as always, love the show and looking forward to it. Thanks. Thank you very much for that. Uh, well, no reason to beat around the bush. We watch Pandemonium, so you know what that means. We got to go back. We got to go dissect the 80s. It's your 6 out of 10 success rate spoof. Something's got to be about your 6 out of 10 success rate spoof. When the mega powers explode! I'm talking about the 80s. Great Scott! Cream of the crop! Oh, 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 yeah! Mega powers, yeah! When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. That feels pretty accurate to me. Yeah, it's. I liked this movie way more than I thought I would. Not that I thought I would hate it, because I was yeah, like, oh, it's an hour and 20 minutes. And then I was like, Eileen Brennan and Carol Kane, and then like 13 <laughs> yeah. other names that I was like, I love these people. 
this might be my new favorite thing. <laughs> Tap Hunter's sneaking around in there. Tap uh, in a very weird role for him. <laughs> oh, you don't say? I, I will say I was I was very relieved that it didn't do the thing I thought it was going to do. Which was? That it only kind of did. Well, it almost is... Do- like, the premise of this... So, we... We've talked before about sort of the best way to do a spoof is you pick something and you basically remake that movie and then figure out where to put your cutaways and jokes. Yes. Like airplane. Uh, airplane. Great example. Even though that one works, even though you, I have never seen airplane. Oh yeah. Seven or airport 75 space balls. But I, I, I'm talking space balls. Yeah. If you love star Wars, you'll get all the beats of, of, of space balls. Uh, another one that I point to all the time. And is honestly, I, I think I brought this up when we were we did our episode on um, She's All That last February, but the version of that story I've seen more is almost definitely not another teen movie, which is, a, it spoofs all the teen stuff. But the through line does, is She's All That, right? Yeah. Yes. So the through line of this is almost Sleepaway Camp. Like, it's almost exactly Sleepaway Camp. It's... But shifted perspective yeah um i i think this movie has so much going for it it kind of reminds me of like if you had all the ingredients to make a cake but you had no measuring tools and so you like eyeballed it so like it'll be a cake and like it'll be fine like it'll it'll taste fine but it's not going to be perfect that's what this feels like it's it's got a lot going for it a lot of heavy hitters a lot of strong stuff it's just not executed perfectly as often as it should be and i i truly am baffled as to why the paul rubens canadian mountie storyline were not actually involved with the main story like that is a baffling decision to me (laughs) yes yeah i i wholeheartedly agree i think there's like there were five times in this movie where i at least out loud chuckled oh yeah which is tough to do when you're watching a movie by yourself in the middle of the afternoon you know that is not ideal movie watching times so uh i got a few just, uh, yeah a few genuine laughs yeah yeah i uh, and and you know like you said all sorts of people i don't know what judge reinhold's doing in here but he he does he you know does what he, you know what he not back down you know what he's doing he's doing his seinfeld performance yeah, he kind of it is. It is very reminiscent of the way of his Seinfeld role. But I will say, like a thing about him that is unique is his unflinching desire to always just go for it. Because there's there's a world in which you see, it's like okay, we're making Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I go for it here in a, maybe a different way than I go for it in this movie. But he never shies away. Like he always leans into the crazy thing he's asked to do and, and does it well. I was mm-hmm. I was very impressed by Judge Reinhold here. I always forget that like Gremlins is a subdued performance for him. Yes. Yeah. He's definitely a big broad guy, especially in uh, the Beverly Hills Cop stuff. Uh, it's been a minute since I've seen Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. I <laughs> Well, I assumed you'd pick up the reference from the Clark's cartoon. Oh, that's even, uh, probably about the same length of time since I've seen the Clerks cartoon. <laughs> okay, okay. I mostly remember uh, the small selection of tiny adult magazines. <laughs> I, I have often been like, hmm, would there be a way that we would just do weird stuff on the Patreon as a bonus show, like a Clerks cartoon watch along? Because that's only six episodes. I'd be fine with something like that. Maybe, maybe if we, if you if you think that there should be a Patreon tier of weird oddities, you let us know. Just like a monthly grab. Yeah. 
Anyway, we started in Cleveland, 1963. No, it's Indiana. Indiana. Sorry, the team is Cleveland. Oh, I missed that. But there, it's it had to be there, Indiana. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I wrote down Cleveland because the team on the field looks like the Cleveland Browns football team. <laughs> oh, uniforms. okay. <laughs> that is why I've done this. Uh, so I, I'm not losing my mind. Uh, we go to a lady snooping in the locker room, mm-hmm. and she's st- she's snooping in Tab Hunter's locker. And there's a nice little this like this is the first chuckle I had, and it was very early in the movie. I was like, oh, this is a good sign. She's like rifling through the locker. I think she smells the jersey first, and then she has the jock in her hands, and is like, oh. yeah. Well, I like the her line where she said she was like, oh, well, I love you so much. If only you could love you could love me too. If only I didn't have this Brooklyn accent. And I was like, that's really fu- I love that. <laughs> Yeah, it, this has a sort of Muppet energy. Yes, it's 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 as if the Muppets did Airplane. Yes, yes. So I I just like not two days before I watched this movie, I didn't know this about myself, but I put the Muppet movie on because it's on Disney Plus, and I was, was working on something, and I just wanted like you know noise in the background, and I kept going like, huh, I don't remember this part. Huh, I don't remember this part. And so I have definitely seen most of the Muppet movie, but I don't know that I ever have like, or at least if I, if I have, it is got the fork in the road joke 15 or 20 years. Yeah. I, so I like I know that and I know the part where like the pie comes off the, off the sign and stuff, but there's a bunch of things that I just had no recollection of. And I was like, well, it's been at least 20, 20 years or so since I've watched this movie at, at minimum. So that explains a lot, but that movie is very sort of segmented. It's almost like sketches yeah. together with a through line. And this movie feels a lot the same, that it's a bunch of sketches and gags with a loose through line. A bit too loose, I think. I think is the movie's downfall. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. If we could cinch this a little tighter, I think it's a it's a way better movie. Uh, uh, Edie McClurg shows up. Yeah, that's right. And opposite her, the man playing her husband is the guy well, not her, who's in The Godfather. It's not her husband. It's just the coach. Oh, the coach. That's right. the The coach is played by the guy who was really nervous to ask Don Vito for a favor in the beginning of The Godfather. Oh, and it's this like really cool small moment in The Godfather. Is this dude is like peeing his pants with nervousness about having to go ask the big man for a favor? But I was like, is that the guy? And then I'm trying to like, I couldn't remember that character's name was The Godfather, and it's like a pretty hard thing to Google about The Godfather, believe it or not. And then I couldn't figure out if he was the dad or the coach, which you just heard me screw up again here, even mm-hmm. though I had figured it out. So yeah, I was like, okay, I have to figure out who this man is. Yeah, well, you know what's really funny? Six years before this movie, Edie McClurg plays a teenager in Carrie's class. <laughs> That's that feels and then right. and in, so. Plays a teenager in Carrie's class. Six years later, plays the mom of a college football player. I feel like there are several types of people. Like one is the normal like A to Z age progression. Like every time you see them, they look a little bit older. Then there's the the people who age in like a burst where it's like, I'm 18, I'm 18, I'm 18. Oh shit, I'm 45. Brimley. And then there's the people... Yeah, the Brimley. And then there's the people who do the opposite of that. It's like, wow, you look great for your age. Why you look great for your age? And then you hit a point and then it just the cliff has arrived. And it's like, oh, no, you're old. Mm-hmm. When did that happen? So I feel like Edie McClurg is that sort of middle category of people where it's like she hit 22 and then suddenly they're like, OK, it's time for you to play mothers. And she's like, no, I'm 22. They're like, yeah, again, sorry. You're, well, then you're a few a years later, she played the secretary in Ferris Bueller, which like didn't feel didn't feel like I feel like the secretary motherly. Oh, I, I, I think that woman, that character, Grace, I think Grace could have had a kid or two for sure. Huh. 
I just want more Edie, more Edie McClurg in in yes. my life. I wanted more locker room silliness. Yeah. Because this scene kind of reminded me of it's I don't know. There's a scene in Steel Magnolias in a locker room where someone's being interviewed for a radio station, and the mm. big moment is like there's a lot of butts in the background that the the ladies of the salon are like, <laughs> oh, like eyeing them up. And I was like, I wanted some of that. Like I wanted, I definitely wanted a few butts or like some goofiness in the background because there's it was such high energy and mm. antics going on with Tab, his coach, and E. McClurg for the picture. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I it's genuinely stunning to me that there's no nudity of any kind in this movie. Yeah, not at all. I was I was flabbergasted that there was not a a, a breast or a butt anywhere in this. I mean, I guess that's how you know it's not a Roger Corman production. Yeah, for sure. Oh, we should say uh, the director of this of this movie, whose name has just leapt out of my head. I believe his first name is Joe. He directed Alice, Sweet Alice. Really? One of those seventies. Yes. Uh, it's one of those 70s movies that gets constantly put on lists of, you know, unseen horror movies that you... That Wait, you is Alice Sweet Alice have, the one with, like, Brooke do. Shields or... Yes. And the, and, the, and the girl wears, like, a plastic mask. With, yes. Like, I can... Conf- pla- like, painted... I confuse that one with... Oh, God. I'm going to give a loose plot and see if you can grab it. And if you can't, we'll drop it. It's a movie where... Uh, the guy from Invasion of the Body Snatchers of the 80s is in Rome after his daughter has been murdered or in Venice after his daughter has been murdered and thinks he keeps seeing her everywhere. And so he like chases her down and the movie ends with like, spoiler, him getting stabbed by what turns out to be a, a little person in a coat that is not his daughter. Yes, that is a real movie. And the actor that you're thinking of is uh, Sutherland, Yes, right? yes, yes, yes. Donald Sutherland. I don't know the name of the movie. But I confuse that in Alice Sweet Alice. That, 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 that sequence of things. So I don't know if that's... I don't know. I haven't seen Alice Sweet Alice. I was getting to... It's every year, you know, I do my big horror binge and I try to hit some different decades of... You know, I try to hit... I've tried all sorts of different things in the past, but I always try to hit some decades that are way before my time. And in that case, it's one of the 70s ones I just haven't gotten to yet, but it comes up all the time. But he directed that in 76, then this in 82. And then he goes into production design which hmm. is a completely, you know, very different field from being a writer and a, and a director. But he did a lot of television. He did all of Veronica Mars. Oh, really? Production design. Or if not all of it, the majority of it. He did 152 episodes of Castle. There were like 175 of those. Wow. He did all but one season. Yeah. So lot, a lot of work uh, in that regard. And, and, and a bunch of movies you've heard of as well. But I'm not going to run down his whole filmography in, in that regard but I, oh yes i am halloween town <gasps> did like five or six of the halloween well there's only four and uh okay but also did he do recently mentioned on this podcast wishmaster 2 evil never die shut up great sequel and uh johnny tsunami and horse sense so he got so he got films. roped into the disney world did he do halloween town one and yes. two uh, i see a halloween town and then i see a Halloween Town High. So he did one and three. That's weird. Apparently, yeah. And that explains. Okay, never mind. That makes a lot of sense because in the second one, Halloween Town spends a lot of time being gray and boring. So that makes sense that they lost their uh, production designer and they were like, "Uh." 
yeah, so a very interesting career that he ended up in that. I was reading an interview with him talking about the ins and outs of production design on Veronica Mars because that's a show like a crazy fan base where people like track yeah. this guy down to do an interview. Uh, and it was I, I learned a lot about production design on television, which is he basically has to do all of the work of location scouting and like they'd go to people's houses and, you know, have to repaint them and stuff. It was fascinating. But anyway, uh, interesting career. He did. He, he kind of found he bumbled around, found his niche and then, you know, stayed with it very lucratively for a very long time. That's awesome. Successfully. Now, I don't know. I don't know if he made a lot of money, but he has made he had a lot of work. So people must like him. Um, this coming up here. So back to the Muppet energy. This is a Muppet gag to me. A hundred percent. My favorite, except for the part where they die. <laughs> this is a Muppet gag. The cheerleaders are on the field and they're all holding giant vegetables. And I'm like, is this because like they a- said they're like, our halftime show was a salute to vegetables. Um, I, this is a, an instance where I think tighter editing which is crazy because this movie is 75 minutes long. And I'm like, you can cut out. It's might be, it might be 74 minutes long. I'm like, it's you can very quick. I think if this sequence was like 30 seconds shorter, it would be so much funnier. Yeah. Because the, the Bambi, the woman who was in the dressing, in the dressing room, in the locker room, uh, tries to be like, you make that mistake every time we have a locker room on the show. I do. Just so you know, that, that is, that is the longest running gag <laughs> on this program. And it's not even on the purpose. first time we did a sports movie. Yeah. The first sports movie we did, you did the dressing room. I swear this happened. That's a <laughs> well, there's no star on the, on the, on the, the chain link. <laughs> uh, Bambi is, try, wants to go with the cheerleaders to the malt shop. And they're like, no cheerleaders only. And so they all start to leave, and we see, like, a gloved hand. (laughs) There's a giant box that says, Danger, Javelins, and... Yes, but then you open it, and there's just a javelin. And so I I, I think it would have been funnier, you either needed it to say, Danger, Single Javelin, or Danger Javelins, and when you open it, like, like, you know those infomercials with, like, like, Tupperware lids just come raining out? You needed that with okay. javelins. I, you need one of those two. Alternate gag. Alternate gag when they when they pull the door handle, the S like falls off. <laughs> okay. So it's like danger javelins, they go to open it and the S comes tumbling down. Um so this hand grabs the javelin and throws it and it like magics its way through the hallways. And so pause right there for one second. Where did you figure out what at what point in this gag did you figure out where it was going? Uh, the first of the three times they cut to the cheerleaders with vegetables. Okay, because there's 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 like cheerleaders with vegetables. Because they're all they're so walking original. Away. The first time we see them, they're like you can kind of they're walking away from her, so they're holding it in front of their vegetables and they're like in a mob. They're like in a, a blob. They're not in a, in a line, so you yeah. can kind of see like a broccoli, a tomato, whatever. The next shot of them, they are. It is from the side, and they are in a direct line, all holding their vegetable exactly at their waist. And I was like, oh, "Okay." And then they showed you that like two yeah. more times, and I was like, yeah, "Yeah, we got. I got there. I'm ready." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it was, it was like javelins, and then the cut to them in a line, and I was like, "Oh, I see what we're doing here." And I started laughing even before it happened, mm-hmm. which. I was pretty pleased with. I thought the javelin fly was pretty cool effect. I liked Mostly, it. Like POV attached to the camera, probably. Mm-hmm. And then I really liked the uh, every cheerleader does a quarter turn to camera and goes like. Oh, oh, I oh, did oh. because it makes no sense, which I love. Yes. Like that's my favorite kind of stupid. <laughs> it's very yes. Mel Brooksy. It's like they would all get hit 
essentially simultaneously, but in, the, in this version of it, it's like one, two, three. But four. also that like they when it shows them dead, they're all facing the opposite direction, so they they couldn't right. possibly have turned around. Yes, yeah, uh, really, really delightful. So they get shish kebabbed. I do wish there was a slightly longer shot of all f- of them shish kebabbed together, like the skewer through. The- I don't want to be gross, no, 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 not at all. Just. The, the cheerleaders with the vegetables and then a very clear stick going through all of them would have been funny. Too. Or or if they fell onto something that looked like a grill. Yes, like, like there's I was really hoping a segment of chain link fences on the ground for like, I don't know mm-hmm. what. And then they fall on it. Yeah, totally agree. Or it was like uh, they don't have the budget for that in this movie. But uh, do you remember the giant grill in the burbs? Oh, yeah. If there had been a thing like grill up the bulls or something, you know, like <laughs> yep. whatever their opponents were. and they A, a homecoming float really with a grill on it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes, exactly that. Phil Hartman showed up for a day rate. Yeah. Well, he's. this is probably like, oh, I got a gig. Hey, mom, I'm very excited about this gig that I have got. That's true. It is 82. Yeah. I wanted I wanted more of him. I was so happy to see yeah, him. And I then was I was like, so excited. oh, you're gone. And he has a great joke too. The, the, he, the I forget what the setup is, but his response. Oh, it's there's a threat of a maniac, and then Phil Hartman's response is, "Or a very large chef." <laughs> it's so he's great. He's brilliant, and I, if yeah. I think about him too hard, I get sad because he's he was so brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And this leads to a very full moon high sequence of spinning yes. newspapers that reveal like cheerleaders murdered. I almost, because this happened in 63, and then the movie takes place, does the movie take place in 82 as a contemporary? contemporary? That's my assumption. It it doesn't say, but yeah, that's my assumption. I would have liked the newspapers to have very big dates on them, too. Like, 1968, you know, pom-pom explosion. 1972, I don't know, bus crash, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. I think that would have been good. Um, Uh, Here comes Squiggy in the house. Uh a favorite of many people out there and not this podcast. The actor who played Squiggy on Laverne and Shirley is the, the guy behind the counter. Oh, Pepe? And, uh, yes. You mean the weasel from Roger Rabbit? <laughs> uh, he is the weasel in Roger Rabbit, but he also is Squiggy from Laverne and Shirley. And, and we talked about Legoland. this in our... Oh, Lego yeah, Island. Yeah. And he's, uh, he's in our used cars episode quite a bit as he's in that movie. Oh, yeah. He was one of the two guys with the heart thing. Something about a heart surgery and used cars. That movie's kind of a blur. (laughs) Um, Uh, And then we get a really great bit where uh, a woman sort of doing the Romani woman from the original... Wolfman. uh, Thank you. I kept wanting to say werewolf. I was like, nope, that's not the title of the movie. Where she does the like... Even the man who says his prayers... And says his prayers by day when the moon is full will become a it's she sets it up like a wear cheerleader. And I was very excited to yes, see yes. if that was going to go somewhere. I, I agreed. Yes. I, this movie is 10 times funnier if Tab Hunter is a wear cheerleader because the woman who snuck into his locker room was a wear cheerleader and bit him. Like, yeah, excessively funnier. But then you need there, to put him. I'm then sure he, Tab then, Hunter was not here for that. Then he needs to show up in the movie more, though. And I feel like I would rather give that opportunity to a, a Phil Hartman or a Paul Rubens. Sure. Yes. But that's my personal bias. Well, you missed one of my favorite stupid bits of production design. Bambi, the woman the woman who got who watched the cheerleaders get skewered, 
opens up a cheerleading camp, which has, hasn't happened in 30 years or 20 years because of the murders or whatever. Um, so she walks up to the school and there's a banner and it's like held up by four strings and the left two are like taut and good and the right two are like slack and terrible. And it says like Bambi's cheerleading camp. And by the word lead, it's like the painting looks rushed and hurried and the camp is like single strokes. So it looks like someone like ran out of time painting it and just stuck it up. I completely missed it's this. Such, that's great. It's such a stupid little bit of production design that I was like, that's so funny. I, I was I was uh I was taking notes or something. I totally missed that. Um but yeah, that I also really liked this this next bit here is like very airplane where she starts explaining like I'm opening a cheerleading camp and she gives She turns and spikes the to the camera. Like looks right down the barrel yeah. of the camera and is like I was a witness to the crimes 20 years ago and I'm opening up the cheerleading camp. And underneath it says exposition and blinking cartoon letters. And then. Yeah. Very Mel Brooks sort of Pepe and his mom, Saul say something else. And she turns back to the camera and it says more exposition. And then they do it a third time and it says still more exposition. And I was like, rule of threes. Yeah, it was really good. Rule of threes. Exactly. So she, the, the gist of this movie is she's opening up a cheerleading camp, which hasn't been done there in a very long time. And every time there were cheerleaders in this area before they got murdered horribly. Yes. Is, is the sort of the gist of where we're at. Um, uh, we cut we cut to a gag that I'm sure is like your favorite thing. You had one of your favorites, Carol Kane, doing a bit that you can't stop doing. With another of my favorites, Eileen Brennan from Clue. That's right. That's right. Yes. And Jeepers Creepers, I realized. I didn't remember that she was the old woman in Jeepers oh, Creepers yeah. when I, I like went to her Wikipedia yeah. and it said that and I was like, oh, you're yeah, she's that old lady with the cats. Yeah. Um, I, I found that movie super scary, but I've never revisited once I found out what a creep. Yeah, is. I, I feel like I'll wait till he's dead and then and then watch it again. <laughs> Even then, I'm like, Ugh. yeah, I'm not going to give him money. But yeah, uh, it says <laughs> victim number one. I almost wish it also said their name underneath. Yes, because I think that would have set up. A few, a few jokes a little better, but it's Carol Kane as a Carrie stand-in and Eileen Brennan as her mom, a um, uh, Piper Laurie stand-in. And then there's a great, like, because what I like about Airplane and, and Mel Brooksy and even the first scary movie or two is that, like, you take the thing we know and then inject a moment of, like, this is not that thing. So there, she, sa- she yeah. says, like, Everyone will see your dirty pillows. And Carol King goes, they're not dirty pillows. They're breasts, mama. And like moves her doll to show her her chest. And Eileen Brennan goes, no, those are tits. I'm talking about those dirty pillows and like points to a homeless man holding actual dirty pillows. And I was like that the word tits is the perfect like emphasis in this to like break it up for you. (laughs) Yeah. And that leads with a nice back and forth with the homeless gentleman of like, those aren't my pillows. Why would that matter? Like what? It's great. I'm very curious as so they decided to emphasize Carol Kane's telekinesis with this like eye laser moment. And I'm so curious yeah. as to why you would add any kind of production value like that when that's not even like remotely what Carrie looks like. No, no, it's she she straight up has Cyclops laser vision. That, that's what I thought. I was like, oh, is she, is she boiling something? And then she lifted her mom in the air. And I was like, I guess that's just... For some reason, they were like, we need to spend money on her telekinesis instead of just using a color light. Yeah. I wonder if it, it somehow was able to hide stuff. 
Maybe like wire, like like uh, fishing line and stuff. Right, right. Like I wonder if it was harder. If it's it was like making it look more ridiculous made it easier to do the effects without having to like stress and spend more money. That's possible. That's definitely possible. I didn't think about that. So now we meet Judge Reinhold, who's also getting ready to go off to cheer camp. And uh, he, at first, I thought his hair dad, was white, and I was like, "Is yes. he a counselor?" Oh, yeah. I was like, sure. "Is he an old guy?" And, no, he's blonde. Uh, and his dad is the the great Cosmo from Singing in the Rain. I don't know if you noticed. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming you did. Uh, doing a bit about the, the 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 there's a couple of really good time jokes. The one you mentioned, and I think this one is funny too. There's two here where it's like. Uh, don't touch yourself, you'll go blind. And then the door opens and the dad comes blind, out, like blind a blind man. Pencils. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, you know, you're our favorite son. You're not the black sheep of this family. And they cut to a, a black sheep literally on the doorstep, like bleeding, it's... bleating with a T, not bleeding. Uh, ah, uh, which I both like very silly nonsense jokes of my kind of business. Yeah, that is exactly my jam. His mom is Kay Ballard, who is another famous, like, like, of the of the era of Donald O'Connor performer. Okay, okay. Uh, then we do a nice uh, breakfast game show bit, which introduces us. <laughs> no, to it's a pageant. Person. It's not a game show. Oh, pageant! And I was Sorry. obsessed with this energy. I loved this. Yeah, energy. it was great. The the little brother coming in with the eggs and then like wanting to immediately leave, and the dad like <laughs> back into uh-huh. his place was really really funny. The mom like barely touching this toast as she flung it onto the plate. I liked a lot. And then we meet the the uh, character who's victim three. I forget how they're three. Them. Are they just in she's order? three. Okay, um, that would have been a funnier I, gag I, too if it was like victim one, victim five, victim six, victim two, four. Like they weren't in number order. Well, I actually thought that it was a little silly that the movie didn't tell you the actual victim order list. Yeah, yeah. that would have been cool. I would have liked that, but because. Because it also would have been funny to me if it was like Carol Kane's was like she survives. Oh, that would have been fun. Yeah, like like we all know the final girl tropes that we're spoofing here. Like you could play with it a little bit. Um, and uh, did you figure out at this point that they were doing this bit from it's either Great Muppet Caper or uh, Muppets Take Manhattan where everybody's name rhymes? Phil, Lil, yes, Gil. Okay. Wait, is it? I don't think it's Caper. It's like Candy, Mandy, Sandy. I don't, it's it's either, it's a movie we've done on the show, so it's either Great Muppet Caper or Muppets Take Manhattan. I think it's Manhattan. Okay. Victim four uh, goes up to a hot dog truck, and the, the guy who was eating at the hot dog truck who got fired as a windsock, I thought was Paul Rubens, and after the Phil Hartman disappointment, I was like, if this is, if this is my only Paul Rubens scene, I am very <laughs> angry. It's not him. I thought he was. I thought he was the guy from the original Muppet movie who like tries to help Kermit in the end. But I couldn't. I didn't bother looking. Yeah. Um. I loved this character and everything about her. She. She's this like bossy. It's this big like bossy girl energy that I loved. Um. Because she says, she's very much. Uh. Is it? Is it Crystal? Is it Crystal Lake? Is it Friday Thirteenth One or Two, where the girl hitches a ride? And we don't see the driver and then chases her into the woods. I think it's the first one. I, yeah, I'm not sure, but I think you're right. It felt like that where she, the energy where she was like, can you tell me the way to cheer camp? And everyone just runs away. They like close the door, the door on yeah, the hot dog yeah. cart. The the windsock guy jumps inside. Uh, and this is where we learn how bossy she is because she comes in. She's like, just tell me which way to go. And the guy's like, I'll drive you. 
And she goes, what car do you have? And he says, I don't know, 63 Camaro or whatever. And she was like, I would never get in anything later, anything older than a 78. I'll walk. And then we see her like thumbing for a hitch on the, on the bridge. And then it cuts to, it's like almost a star wipe of going up to people and being like, I'll take, I need three references, no family. And it's a line of traffic and she's handing everyone a reference sheet to give her a ride. And each car is a completely different type of vehicle. There's a taxi. There's a fire truck. I think there's like an ice cream van. There's the it's, the, the, the surfers in the jeep. It's great. Joke. Yes. Yeah. It's a very good joke. Uh, next, we see Andy and Randy. Uh, Randy was in Freaky Friday, which is the his sort of claim oh. to fame in both, actually. The Jamie Lee Curtis one and the uh-huh. other one? Okay. He played the love interest in the original and then played a delivery man okay. with, with the same name in the remake. They should have slipped him into they should have slipped him into the Vince Vaughn one as like a shopkeep or something. Oh, that would have been fun. He like working at the it's store with like, her with the mom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's just his ticket to ride forever. It's just anything I mean, hey, look anything Freaky Friday related. Yeah. I mean there is a there is a not terrible chance that that person could be dead by now. They're probably at least in their 60s. Some people die young. But if not, like, get them in that freaky movie. Yeah. What are we doing here? Uh, but So Andy and Randy are victims five and six. Um, it's weird that the people in this movie are either, like, very well-known names or who? Like, there's not a lot of middle ground on these performers, which I think is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think you probably had a, some local people yeah. stuck around here, too, maybe. They all arrive. Judge Reinhold with this mop of blonde hair just feels all sorts of wrong to me. When you see him in the full daylight in front of the school, I'm like, this is the wrong. It's not a bad wig, though. I'll give it, assuming it's a wig. I thought it was, I thought they dyed his hair. I mean, that's possible, but to dye hair that dark, that blonde, and not have roots showing is a feat. Because I get roots in like a week when I go blonde. Well, it probably touched him up a lot. But then, like, but that's a big expense. You know what I mean? Like, the idea of, like, yeah. we can buy a wig. It's also it's also not impossible that this movie was shot in 10 days. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> You're right. It's very possible. They were like, we are going to shoot this before your roots run out. Like, we're dyeing your hair. We're shooting all of your scenes front-loaded. And then you're off the movie because we don't want to touch up your hair. Seems, like, very possible. That You know what? Not wrong. So they arrive at the school, and the woman who was looking for a, a ride got a ride from the president and the Secret Service, who were jogging alongside the car. Yeah. Uh, kudos for making it clear that it's Reagan. Minus one point for not getting a person who looked more like Reagan or did the, are you sure you don't want a jelly bean? Kind of Reagan. He kind of did. There was sort of a Reagan-ish energy. He, he just, not Reagan-y enough. Is yeah. all they definitely hid behind sunglasses and a tinted window. But he held up the jelly beans, and then I heard you in my head going, "Eat them in hell, you rotten <laughs> bastard!" Reagan, yeah, Reagan chokes on jelly beans in hell. The official stance of <laughs> Andrew twenty Andrew twenty twenty one. Reagan chokes <laughs> on jelly beans in hell. So they all introduce. I got a genuine guffaw at the. Oh, sorry. What the the jelly beans may work on Nancy, but not on me. I like that line. No, that that I thought that was a good line, but I was jumping to the next scene. So if you want to talk about this one, go ahead. Yeah. So they all do their. Uh, Bambi comes in and it's like, sound off, troops. And they say, it's Andy, Randy, Candy, Sandy, Mandy, and Glenn. And everyone <laughs> turns to look and he goes, dandy. And like, that would have... <laughs> I guess they would have spoiled this joke, but if 
if the victims, like victim number one, Sandy, they all said that, and then it was like Glenn, and then that went away, Dandy. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I, it made me think that he was the killer for a lot. Yes, of it. and I, 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 I kind of wish they leaned into that because yes, agreed. I, so this is my big. We're about to get into my big problem with the movie is that like they have a, a Canadian Mountie and his horse and Paul Rubens doing a lot and it's hilarious, but they aren't actually involved in the plot of the movie. It's like they have their own thing going, right. and I was like, why? Like, why can't they just investigate? Like, they can just be the investigators, yes. right? Like, th- my thought is. You know, we have the scene where the, the the first woman gets hurt. And it's like, instead of making that a gag, make her get hurt because the killer screwed up. And now the Mountie is investigating this. Yes. He's like trying to keep these kids. Because safe and have like, let's get them all hanging out. We keep seeing the the same gloved hand that threw the javelin 20 years ago, like popping out of stuff at Sheer Camp. And then we learned like, oh, there's a prison break. Oh, there's an asylum break. And they're like, oh, they must be blah, blah, blah. I'm like, but we already know it's not them because... They were like the killer's right. already here. You know what I mean? Exactly. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, so we cut to the the police station where the Canadian Mountie. This is where I had. It's a great. It's this a is what I meant when great I said I had bit. A great genuine guffaw. Yeah. So we see we're like it's sort of a tight a tight close up on the Canadian Mountie at his desk, and it pulls back and you see that he's on his horse, and his desk is built around his horse's head. And his horse has his own desk beneath him. And it is yes. just the best bit, visual bit of comedy ever. Really delightful. Really delightful. And that it's a really bad horse puppet is even better. I don't think it's always a horse puppet. No, but in this this sequence. Oh, is it? When it comes around and he's talking to him. I thought so. Because later, it, look like felt later it looks like the horse is in the car. And I was like, how did they get that? To, like, what? So. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's some scenes where he's riding a horse that it would be illogical for it not to just be a horse. Yes. But I thought this one was was not. That. It's possible. And then we meet Paul Rubens and I was like, OK, here we go. I'm ready. I'm ready for Paul Rubens. And because this is he's at this point in his career, he's doing Pee Wee on stage, but he hasn't done it on a big scale. He might have done like a one TV special, right. but it's not like the household name that it is. And you can see yeah. that, like, he's basically playing a version of Pee-wee in this movie. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I love he, him um, so much. He's kind of wearing a Nazi outfit to start, though, and I had I a lot of I questions. didn't get Nazi. I got I got janitor. Like, he, he to me, seemed like a custodian. Oh, yeah. The, <clears throat> the, the fact that it's a one-piece is definitely that. It was more that tan color. It's just, like, Nazi uniform oh. in my brain. And I was like, why are we doing this? Um. They get a phone call from the warden of the jail. This was, it was also confusing. I didn't get that it was a jail and an asylum break. I did not understand why we had both in this movie. Right. Well, only for the gag that happens in a minute. But like, no, no, no. Oh, I agree with you. No, no, no. Just what do you me. mean the gag that happens in a minute? The, the, the prisoner is hitchhiking and he gets picked up by the oh. guy from the asylum and the, they, they have a conversation where it's like, I broke out of the prison. Oh, I broke out of the asylum. That's true. Okay. That is a fun little bit, but Yeah. Um, the warden... Oh, that is the answer to your question, I think. I think so. The warden is played by uh, Eve Arden, who was in Greece, and also in, like, the original, like, 1930s Ziegfeld Follies in New York. Like, that is a crazy oh, wow. career. I don't know that. Yeah, for sure. This is her last movie, actually, I believe. No, Grease 2 was her last movie. Okay, I thought it said that on the Wikipedia. 
No, I think maybe Grease 2 was the same year as this, but uh, either one of them would have been her last then. And she's a delight in this movie. She Oh, she She is. reminds me a bit of um Juno from Beetlejuice. The, is that the woman at the like their their caseworker? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who the hello kind of voice. Mm. Okay. Yes, agreed entirely. She's the like the she and this woman, the warden and Juno are like the yin and yang, the salt and the pepper, the sweet and the sour mm-hmm. versions of each other. Yeah. Um because she's being tied up on the phone like <laughs> Being like, hey, there's a prison break happening, and the crazy serial killer who turns his victims into furniture uh, escaped. And the guy tying her up is just, like, letting her do it on the phone. And she's like, I have to go. They're going to gag me now. And he's like, would you like a red bandana or a black bandana? Yeah, I love this whole interplay with the the prisoners messing with her, but sort of, like, in a funny way. That's, it's... (laughs) Like, it seems... It seems like the non-rapey Revenge of the Nerds parts, right? Where, like, the energy mm-hmm. is very goofy and gag-oriented, and it's like, oh, we're getting one over on you. <laughs> it, it, again, I, we keep, I keep saying it, it felt very Brooks, Mel Brooksy, airplaney, that sort of classic mm-hmm. spoof era of, like, like you know, there's, there's no danger. So, like, there's no danger, but we're just going to play it straight of, like, I'm, hey, I'm getting kidnapped. Oops. I'm getting tied up. Right. What right. are you going to do? Uh, by the way, from the the internet, uh, I think Wikipedia must just be wrong because Grease Two came out in June, but this says this is the last feature that Arden appeared in. Oh. so I don't know. I don't know who who did the math, but they were incorrect. Hmm. And then, um, so do all three boys sleep in the same dorm? It sure seems like. But it. the girls got it was weird um, because Andy and Randy are in their room. I thought Andy and Randy. I thought. Uh, no, because later we see Carol Kane is sharing a room with the woman who gets the megaphoned. Yes, which is Sandy. Yeah, th- this. While I appreciated the gag, I was literally <laughs> unable to follow the names of the characters. Candy is Carol Kane. Sandy is her roommate. Mandy is the one who, um, the pageant queen. The blonde. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, I guess that means that Mandy got her own room. And so did Judge yeah. Reinhold. Must have drawn the yeah. Must have drawn the short straw. They like pull out a a leather nun magazine, but it's like a man leather nun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they had made a joke that Judge Reinhold was shaving his palms, and then he comes in with like the the tissue or the toilet paper spots on your on the face, and then opens yeah. his hand and also has them on his palm. And I was like, that's a great little payoff. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was really good too. Also, I thought he said. Uh, balls, not palms. The first, and then when Judge Reinhold came with the palms, I was like, "Oh, that's a funnier joke, and it's less." <laughs> yes, very much. For some reason, we keep cutting to Salt, the uh, Eastern European woman, washing a mirror, and then she breaks it. Yeah, yeah, it's very strange. I like what I thought it was supposed to be like. It breaks, and the guy's like reaching through it, very Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees. Yeah, no, no it's just that. she just broke it because she's ugly, I guess. I guess that's what it's supposed to be. I didn't. I didn't put that together, but I don't that's know. probably it. I wanted more out of her because she was great. Yeah, I, I think so too. And she was doing like obviously she's doing a very specific impression as a performance, but it's a good impression. She's doing a good job at it. Yeah, so it's like I don't. Know, I just want to hang out with it more. Uh, over at the asylum, we meet a man who thinks he's a chicken, and then and it's. Very quickly, like, oh, no, you're a cat, not a chicken. Go deal with the mice. And he's, he switches. It's very, I'm sure you did this in acting classes. We did some of this in improv where it was like, 
be a dog, be a cat, be a whatever, like, and, you know, inhibit, you know, mm-hmm. uh, inhabit inhibit these animal behaviors. Yeah. Thank you. Inhabit. Thanks. Uh, where he's like doing a chicken thing, you know, flexing his shoulders and his arms and he switches to cat and he's like pretending to lick his hand and wipe his hair with it. It was just very strange. We did some of that. I remember mostly the big thing I remember doing that was in our acting Shakespeare class. Because a lot of that class was about like breaking down formality because that's everyone's instinct with Shakespeare is okay. to be like, oh, <laughs> yeah. So that one day my teacher, yeah, she yeah. paired us up and she was like, okay, I want you to do your, all, you all have to pick the animal that makes sense to, that your character would be and then be that animal and do your scene. And we were like, huh? And she was like, I was like, I'm a, I was Iago in Othello. I was like, I don't know, I'm a house cat because Othello is like a lion. She was like, great, get on all fours. And I was like, oh, you mean like legit. Well, crawl. She was like, "Yes, you're all crawling around. Like, if you two are big cats, read my lips. You are a, a cat." Yes. So I had I, I, me and my my scene partner crawling around like a lion and a house cat, <laughs> doing Shakespeare. I would see the version of uh, that play with people as cats perform so it's like like the like, cat's costume the movie cat, the like musical cat's costumes yes. in othello y- yes yes yeah yeah well like also lions and other animals. yeah i here let's let's do this let's do hamlet but the lion king <laughs> okay so i want everybody in appropriate animal wear of various just take the types. just take the costumes from the broadway musical the lion king and do no, hamlet. no no i want it i want it worse than that i want it to be much more like big silly animals not like a cool interpretation oh, of okay art. i want it dumber <laughs> there I we want go it louder and dumber okay so yeah the mountie investigates the asylum there's a and i i couldn't i was confused because i thought for a second i was again i was confused that there was a both a prison break and an asylum break but there wasn't a full asylum break just the one asylum guy ran away right but the asylum seemed like it was uh not being run do you know what i mean Yes, it seemed like the people inside were running the show. I did really like, oh, this is our shock treatment room. And then we cut in there and the the guy's all tied up in a straitjacket. And it's like, your mother's dead. Your car's been stolen. And he's like, nothing's happening. Ha ha ha. Laughing in their face. And then the doctor's like, here's your bill. And he just starts screaming. I was I was like, this is very stupid, but I like it. That's, again, very Muppet energy. Like, that's what they would call shock yes. treatment. Yes, yes. Because and and the other thing with the Muppets, when Andy and Randy crash their car at the arrival, it had, like backing up a little bit here. One of them literally goes waka waka. Oh, really? I missed that. Yeah. So we go to the that's this is where the pickup happens. Like the prisoner picks up the asylum guy that we talked about, and the asylum guy's wearing a very strange mask. Yeah, I hated it. It was very unsettling. I didn't get why he was I wearing th- a mask. So I. Th- thought it was supposed to be like he had a perfect almost like a mission impossible like he had a perfect mask of like the doctor say mm. and that's how it enabled him to escape but i couldn't i couldn't pick it i wish the movie had a line of like why he liked masks or something yes yeah i i did really enjoy i know it was weird and creepy out of context but in universe it it's like the james bond thing we have yeah um it, uh, Judge Reinhold is talking to Mandy and she's like, you're Glenn. And he like points to his name and he's like, he, he goes, I am. He goes, let me guess your name and puts his hand on her name tag, which is on her boob and then guesses while holding her boob and then goes. But it's the first one is a little it's like a little above. It's not quite as, as no. grabby as, as 
it's a little and then when he guesses her name he puts his hand on the other side which has her like the school logo or whatever and it's like now let me guess what school you go to and i was like that was a fun like clearly they're both into it so it's not it's not skeevy yes yes which i guess is key to that (laughs) to the joke but yeah i liked the way that was played I, like, if you showed that scene to somebody out of context, they'd be like, no, wait a second. Be like, no, no, no. Like, they like each other. Clearly, it's, like, established in the movie. Mm-hmm. And then as they're doing warm-ups, <laughs> uh, Pepe and Saul have a tour, a dead cheerleaders tour that, like, uh, it's like a, a, I call them gators, those yeah. cars, or mini cars. <laughs> they're like a golf cart type thing. Yeah. So it's like that with, like, four carts on the back of, like, tourists, and, <laughs> and Pepe's, like... Here's the scene of the brutal cheerleading murders. Take a picture of these ones before they die. And then he goes... <laughs> Get a glimpse, because it's sure to go away quickly. He goes, Saul is also selling commemorative souvenirs. And she holds up a coffin and pushes a button, and it opens, and there's like a Barbie cheerleader inside. And I was like, I want it's that. really good. I love that. Yeah, yeah. So they all... They leave, and Bambi... There's a fun... It's Well, there's a, there's, there's a fun gag with... Bambi trying to shoo them out of the arena. It's very Leslie Nielsen, it feels like. Not the arena. Yes. And she had just been like, okay, guys, follow me. And she's doing like an exercise. And then so she starts like frantically waving them out of the gym. Everybody is copying her, which is very nice. Mm-hmm. And then she tells them, does she tell them the truth that people died or that, or does she say that everything I will be fine? She, I think she does. I think she do- she does at some point. I can't remember if it's right here or later. I didn't write it down here, I, but yeah. that doesn't mean it's not here. So she leaves, and then <laughs> there's some great physical bits with the bro sh- the cheer camp brochure because Sandy says like, "Oh, she's off her rocker," and Judge Reinhold holds up the cheer camp brochure and is like, "It doesn't say she lost her rocker in the brochure." And then <laughs> they cut away and they cut back to him and he's wearing glasses now and he reaches through where the lens should be to scratch his eye as he talks about the brochure. Yes. And I was like, that's perfect. That's the perfect dub. Yeah. Yeah. For this movie, for sure. It's the exact right tone. And then <laughs> we go to the morgue and there's a coffee table with a police badge and a gun holster glued to it. <laughs> and they're like, this was detective. It's even better though. <laughs> it's even better though because she's like, one, two, three. All right, here's here's where your man is. And she's like sort of telling them to brace themselves. She doesn't say that exact words, but her her energy is like, brace yourselves for this. And then she pulls the drawer open and it's a coffee table. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. The, she's going through the, the morgue like drawers and then pulls out a coffee table on one. And they're like, this was detective, you know, Mark. All right. I can tell by his gun. Yeah, it's like it's it's the way that a medical examiner would show you a werewolf victim who got like mauled. Yeah, like brace yourselves. This one's yucky. I almost wish going further in that that because she pulls it out and it's a box because at first it it took me a second when she like pulled the whole sheet off. I was like, is it a box? And I was like, oh, no, it's people get turned in. I almost wish she did the like I only lift a corner of the sheet like you only need to see this. Take a peek. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Paul Rubens could have been like, let me see the whole thing and like rips the sheet off. (laughs) The the payoff for the earlier gag of he turns people into furniture being a literal coffee table and a morgue drawer is delightful. I love it. Every instance of that is perfect because they do a couple times and I just it's such a beautiful, stupid thing and a great way to get around the expense of having to have dead bodies in your movie. Yeah, for sure, for sure. The other option being get on the slab and hold your breath. Yeah. 
So uh, the Mountie decides to go check out the the cheerleading camp, which, like, again, why couldn't he have been involved the whole time? He should have. Yeah, agreed. Whatever. So he shows up to, especially because at this point he starts to sort of have a relationship with Carol Kane, and then he goes away again. And I'm like, well, no, you have you to come two back. Reasons to keep him here. Yeah. But uh, he goes up to Bambi. He rides in on his horse into the gym and Bambi shakes the horse's hoof. And I was like, that's so great. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a little bit of confusion where she sent off one of the kids to get a fake horse for a cheer routine. And so when the Mountie shows up with a real horse, she doesn't know that it's a real horse. Yeah. And then the Mountie makes eyes at Carol Kane and they have a what in any other movie would be like a dream sequence. And Carol Kane is in this like Regency dress and he's still in his Mountie outfit or whatever. Maybe it's not a Regency dress. It's just like a fancy gown. And they sing a song like a classic. I don't I don't remember what it is, but they sing a song. I tried to I tried to Google the lyrics and the the lyrics that they the one of the parts that they sing more than once is also the chorus of a more modern song. And I couldn't find hmm. the old one. So they sing and they have a moment and the camera's just on them. And then we hear applause and Carol Kane goes back to the group still wearing the dress and everyone's like, you did a great job. Yeah, yeah. Then we move on to some trust falls where we're you know, leaping into our friend's arms. And this leads to Judge Reinhold like pushing everyone away in a top and tails. Well, he doesn't have the hat on, but like a top. And he tails might as well. And and is like going to do it himself and fails miserably. I I didn't get why he didn't try to catch. Like, I think it should have been he has his arms out and they both go down because instead he's like tapping the cigarette ready to light it. And she jumps too early. They do establish that both of them are extremely stupid, like forget to breathe stupid. So it's sort of on brand. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I think the better, the better kind of stupid to me would have been like, I'm going to catch her by myself. And they're like, well, you need someone on each side. And he's like, I'll be right in the middle. And it could have been like a, a Karen and mean girls moment when she goes to catch Gretchen by herself yeah 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 or they like bonk heads or whatever yeah uh so she gets hurt mandy gets hurt and bambi releases the rest of the kids and so they drive around trying to they're hungry and they go to the house of bad pies yes this is this one is extreme muppet energy yeah it's it's very happiness hotel it's very happiness hotel from uh caper um yeah I love I'm obsessed with the twin actresses they have playing the diner waitresses. Yeah, I they have to have been in like Doubleman ads or something like I bet people at the time recognize them from some sort of ad campaign or what have you. Yeah, but they're great like playing off each other saying things at the same time being like bitchy and then they stop and turn to each other and they treat each other like a mirror to like check their hair and their lipstick. And I was like, that's great. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. My favorite of them is that the guy orders a Three Stooges pie and she says, come right up and just plows it into his face. <laughs> yep. He has a good pie. One guy gets all you can eat for a dollar and she hands him a big plate of food. He takes like one bite and it's like, that's all you can eat for a dollar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a bunch of those like very silly sort of gags like, oh, what's what's uh, what's the worst thing on the menu? The Tuesday special. What's wrong with that? It's Thursday. Yeah, that's that's yeah, it's that's big Fozzie energy like vaudeville almost. Oh, yeah. Um, So Judd, we cut from them to judge all alone in the gym. And he says he says, like, Mandy doesn't know I exist. And I was like, but y'all are flirting like it's not unreciprocated. Right, right. I'm confused. Yeah, I agree. 
And so he's practicing jumps on a on the like mini trampoline over the vault. And then we cut to outside the doors and we see the gloved hand like raise a plunger on some dynamite. And then we see there's cartoon dynamite strapped to each of the four baby trampoline it's, legs. It it might as well say Acme TNT. Yes. Um, and I was I was like, oh, I wonder how this movie's gonna handle the more like death because we ha- it's been a while since we had a death. And so he jumps on the trampoline. If they do it like two or three times, and then the last time he does it and it explodes and sends him launching through the window, and then he goes in the air next to an airplane. And I was like, that's a fun way to get around that. Some some nice, uh, great Gonzo stuff. Yeah, very great Gonzo. Uh, I I this this part is just beyond the pale to me. I guess they were tying back in the fact that there were Japanese tourists. Yeah, who were who were at the dead cheerleader thing? Because I think it's the same actors and actresses. I think you're right doing that. But there's it's so bizarre. That like in the middle of this, they just threw it's Air Tokyo. There's a white woman in full geisha with like literally her eyes taped up, and I was like, "Well, this is yes. this is a little pull on the collar moment." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she says Godzilla is one of the flight attendants, and I was like, "Is is that racist too?" Because that's a funny joke to me. <laughs> removed, removed from uh, Tokyo Air. Like if it was just an airplane and like Godzilla was a flight attendant, I'm into that. Yeah. Did you recognize who the stewardess was? No. Who? So she's Mother Superior in the Pee-wee's Great Adventure, like the movie version. I don't know if that's characters on the show. And then... Mother Superior? Uh, she's, Charlie's, she's Charlie's mom on It's Always Sunny. I don't I I just watched um, Pee-wee a few weeks ago. I don't remember Mother Superior. Hmm. I, I, I'm sh- I pulled that off the IMDb. I, I recognize her more from It's Always Sunny. I haven't seen It's Always Sunny in a minute. She's in a bunch of Pee Wee stuff, so maybe he just like was buddies. Met her on this, maybe, and yeah, or he brought her in. Yeah, well, I don't know. The Pee Wee's got that kind of pull on this movie. Well, I mean, there it's a one-off role. I'm sure he was like, "Hey, I'm in the Groundlings. I got, I know people." Yeah, that's possible. They'll work for a ham sandwich and a cup of coffee. there's a good bit where the woman's like, oh, my coffee's too cold and Godzilla breathes fire on her. And it pulls back. The cup is melted and she's got that like black sooty, you know, yeah. cartoon explosion. L- Looney Tune who held a dynamite recently. Uh-huh. And I like that. And then Judge just kind of flies by the windows and <laughs> tries to make them open up the door. Which I thought they were going to do. I thought, yeah, I thought maybe. But instead he just like flies up and away. And I was confused. Yes. He took the very expensive uh, Uber helicopter out of the movie. Like, hey, I got, a, I got a rope ladder dangling for you, buddy. Come on, climb on up. We'll get you out of here. Yeah, I almost, I feel like they could have done a like, like a Roger Rabbit splat at the end, like a Judge Reinhold shaped hole in a wall. Yes, that would have been exactly what I wanted. Or he falls back down onto the trampoline or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I really like this, this next se- sequence here. So, oh, I'm. Um, I'm jumping ahead in my notes. The this next bit is the toothpaste, right? Yes, Mandy. We okay. Uh, Mandy is in this full like fembot sixties nighty. It there, yes. It's there's a Barbie outfit called Snooze News, and that's exactly what this looks like. It's just you know, it's a it's a waist length frilly f- like marabou trimmed you know negligee. Yeah. So she's playing with her like tooth stuffed animals because that's the personality trait they gave her which i mean 
it's not misogynistic, so I'll give it a points for that. That that she, the pageant she did was sponsored by a toothpaste. Was it actually? Yeah, because at the end they were like, and she'll be brushing her teeth with blah 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 teeth. Oh, I thought that was just her weirdo family being weird. Well, I'm saying this is the toothpaste that this is a, a recall to that joke. Yeah, no, that's but I, I think it's interesting that they gave her quirk. Uh, I like to brush my teeth. Oh, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She brushes her teeth ten times a day. So like she th- she has a Mr. Shiny Teeth doll and a Mr. Tooth Decay doll, and she ends up throwing with Mr. Tooth Decay into the bathroom, and then um, she's like, "I'm gonna brush my teeth in front of you." And she opens the medicine cabinet and it's just toothpaste, which I love, like different kinds of toothpaste. Like 30 tubes. The only thing I think would have been better is if it was treated like a wine fridge or a wine cellar. And it was like vintages. Exact same thing. Or or just flavors even like spearmint, fresh mint, Mm -hmm. bubble mint. Or like a vending machine of just toothpaste. Uh Uh-huh. So it's funny. She brushes her teeth for like five seconds spits and is like i'm gonna do it again and i was like well you could have just kept doing it the first time i would argue that you've barely started (laughs) so she brushes her teeth uh and then he the killer reaches through the medicine cabinet and grabs her um and she does a lot of great like goofy face acting with like crossed eyes and all kinds of stuff yes so he kills her with a drill which i guess is supposed to make you think that he's the furniture killer Right, but uh, the drill also has a toothpaste, a, to- a toothbrush attachment on it. It should have been a comically large toothbrush. Agreed. Or like, uh, like a dentist tool kind of toothbrush. Like it, sh- it needed to look more toothbrushy. You could, you could have just taped four toothbrushes together in a box and put them into the drill. Like you could do that. Yeah, it, it needed to read more toothbrushy than than it did. Agreed. Um. Because he kills her, and this especially is especially for a movie where women get shish kebab holding giant vegetables. Like, there's no too broad for this. Yeah, at max broad. Um, because he kill. This is the only kill I like. Didn't love looking. At. I was like, this doesn't feel as fun as the others. Because he like drills into her mouth with the toothbrush, and then she starts like m- toothbrush foaming a lot. And I was like, it would have been funnier yeah. if it was like one of those giant toothbrushes you find in like the play the kids waiting room of a dentist's office. Where all the bristles are yes, stuck together, exactly and he like be. beats her with a toothbrush, like yeah, 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 that kind of moment. Yeah. So she's dead, and then <laughs> I think this might be my favorite joke. Where that's what I was. I this this part is what I was leading to. But go ahead. Uh, the the Mountie's horse walks into the station by itself and like walks through the door, and then Pee Wee comes in and is like, "Close the door behind you. We're raising a barn." <laughs> and it's just like that is this is brilliant there's so much yeah, good stuff in here that it's baffling that yeah, it's yeah, yeah. that it ended up so okay yeah 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 there's just a, there's not enough there's too much space between the good bits it's like if you imagine a corn on the cob instead of it being packed with kernels it's just like there's spare kernels across it yeah it's like you'll still enjoy eating it but it's not like eating a nice satisfying ear of corn on the cob yeah it's there or or like a seven layer dip that is too much like sour cream and ran and you're, and salsa and you're like well, where's the guac where's the beans come on. Uh, I do like this bit back. We cut back to the warden and she's on a, like a different phone now talking to the mountie, 
And then she's like, oh, I have to leave. They're leading me to the gas chamber. And I was like, wow, that's kind of a dark I joke. thought so, too. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, JK, it's a man who looks like professional wrestler King Kong Bundy with a huge bowl of beans sitting next to a toilet that's connected to the other room. It's a fart chamber. Well, I like the gas, ch- the gas chamber had a neon light that said gas chamber. Yes. Like, I have to imagine someone on the crew just happened to have that or something. Like, that's... Or or took it home with them. But, like, again, that seems like an expense that you wouldn't... Like, why why, <laughs> why have that expense in this movie? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But I liked it very much. I was glad it was there. Oh, yeah. So then we cut to uh, Andy, Randy, Sandy, and Candy sitting around um, a table... And I genuinely loved this moment of dialogue and writing. It fe- it felt very clue to me, like the similar to like the one plus two plus two one plus one. No, it's two plus one. Plus right, right, right. Where they're like, it was like Andy wants some candy, and they all go around, and then Candy says no, and then Randy wants it, and he's like, can I have can can I have Mandy's candy? And then the whole time the camera's like spinning in a circle on the table, like at each person, kind of like uh. That 70s show? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And at yeah. one point, it stops on Andy, but Sandy starts talking, and he like looks at the camera and like jerks his thumb, and then the camera quickly pivots over to her to, <laughs> to continue her her line. And I was like, that's so great. Yeah, it's it's it, like it's like you said, like everybody involved in making this knew exactly what kind of movie they were making. They just didn't quite get all the way there. I think it needed more. I, and I would put the blame on writing like it needed more in the script for them to go off of. Or you need yeah. to give these people just like right. free reign, like do whatever you want. There's th- we talked before about like there's kind of a through line to hang your hat on and then you make your jokes. There's really almost no through line to this. Like we know that they're going to die, but we don't learn anything about the killer motivation until the very final bit. We don't we don't learn why. And then we do learn why and it's too late. So. Mm-hmm. And it's not even like in, you know, to use sleepaway camp where we see the killer and we realize that we've known them the whole time and they've been a part of the movie. When they reveal Tab Hunter is the killer, I was like, well, has he been, he hasn't been around since the beginning. So that seems right. It felt like very Bob's Burgers. Like a lie is not a twist. You can't just, you can't just yes. say this, yes. this guy from the beginning is the killer. Cause that's not fair. Mm-hmm. You know how I feel about being lied to at the movies. <laughs> well-established canon i do not care for it uh, you know what it should have been bambi and him should have been husband and wife yeah that would have made a lot more sense or like i said your idea of where cheerleader is much funnier yes where i mean obviously where cheerleader is the the best of the ideas but have him be her husband who pops in now and again right i think they just couldn't afford that much tab hunter i think they got three you think in 82 he was pulling that kind of money i mean I think it was just as, as much as anything else. Like, I just don't want to do that. That's possible. Like, I was a heartthrob 30 years ago. People still respect me. I'm in the closet still at this point. First, they play, they go to play poker. And right off the bat, I was, con- I was like, this is, this is, oh, this is going to be a bit. Because they say it's going to be strip poker. And then he goes ante up and everyone puts a shoe on the table. as like, and yes. I was like, oh, hang on. What are we doing here? And then I really like they cut away and then they cut back to them. They all have on those visors and they're all smoking like various. They look like the dog, the dogs, the dog painting. Yes, they did look like exactly like the dog painting. 
Um, <laughs> we go over to the, the storyline with the Mountie and it's Pee Wee and the Mountie and the horse. And they're walking through, like trying to investigate the escaped killers. And there's a, a dresser. And- well, no, first, if my fir- <laughs> first favorite joke they walk up to, it says cemetery slash lovers lane cemetery hours. Oh, yes. You know, nine to nine to nine to nine necking hours, nine to five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they encounter this dresser and it's like, that's Trixie. I'd recognize those legs anywhere. And then they start to walk away and Pee Wee pulls a drawer open and he looks into it and they're like, what are you doing? And he's like, all right, I was trying to get into her drawers. <laughs> it's such a great so joke. Stupid. And then yeah. <laughs> the Mountie's like, well, stop that. Get over here. How was it? <laughs> but how was it? It was like... <laughs> And then yeah, the, I just I just love the whole I, like he's turning people into furniture. No, he's literally turning people into furniture. And it's not it's even like any kind of anthropomorphic. It's just this is a coffee table with a cop yes, badge yes. glued onto it. This is a dresser with a necklace on it. Like that's it. This this is not Beauty and the Beast. There is not a talking singing. There's no face. China. It's a name tag situation. Yeah. Um. And then the doctor turns out is evil, and I was like, okay, but I don't care. Like, right? Can right. W- I would much rather this storyline be attached to the other movie that I've been watching. Yeah, like you, this should just be stuck on the other movie because they all end up dying in like ten. All three of these bad guys die in the next like two minutes, and I was like, okay, well, right? Then what were we doing? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. This storyline wraps up, and I'm like, okay, well, does that mean no more Pee-wee in the movie? Like, what's happening Disappointment. now? Um, so, yeah, we cut back to the uh, the gang playing poker, and then we cut to Bambi making a milk bath with bags of cookies. So this is a reference to back in the beginning where that was... It wasn't Bambi rifling through Tab Hunter's locker, right? Yeah, it was. I didn't think so. Oh, it was. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, she mentions that she'd take milk baths. Because that's like a thing for like royalty. I, I guess? Yeah. It sounds pretty terrible. Bathing in milk and honey is like a thing for like mm. old beauty regimen thing. Cause, I see. Uh, in Snow White and the Huntsman, uh, Charlize Theron does it, but it's like obviously not actual milk. But then later they like dump it out right. for all the people to like drink or whatever. Oh, that sounds like a weird kink thing that I mean, in that Disney movie. I mean, Snow White and the Huntsman's not a Disney movie. It's not. No, Snow White and the Huntsman is a. Oh, okay. Is a like a, I'm gonna guess Universal. I don't know. Charlize Theron is the only reason to watch that movie and the sequel. Okay. No, it's Emily Blunt in the sequel. Is the icy is the Ice Queen. I see. Um, so she's g- surrounded by bags of cookies and she's digging her milk bath, reading a <laughs> reading a magazine, dipping cookies into the bath, like. Owning this whole yeah. thing. First, she sprinkles some cookies in as if it were a bath bomb. <laughs> or like petals, rose petals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's great. So the killer starts stabbing and he stabs through the magazine, stabs a couple cartons like he can't get her. And she doesn't notice until he picks up her bag of cookies. And then she's like, my cookies. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, I respect the energy. Yeah. And then he kills her. And I was like, well, now I'm incredibly confused. Like, who is the killer supposed to be? Because I assumed it was going to be her. Right, right. I was like, we killed Judge then Reinhold. it turns out to be Tab Hunter is deeply baffling. It, it's not satisfying. So, uh, they're all actual clothes gambling. 
because I was like, that's a that's a, a fun twist on you know strip poker teen sex comedy right. that they're like act, like I raise I see your bra and I raise you panties. Yes, yes. Um, and so Sandy leaves with one of the boys to go bone in the basement, and that leaves Candy and the other boy to like start necking, and she's. And I genuinely forgot she was interested in the Mountie. Yes. I fully forgot that that so was a I. plot point. Because then later she, yeah. she ends up with him. And I was like, oh, all right. Hey, she's an independent woman. It's the I mean, I th- oh, there is zero judgment. I just thought it was a weird thing that there was not a line of dialogue about. Uncommon for a movie to make that decision that she would have like a romantic gesture with the Mountie, have sex with a different man and then end up with the Mountie at the end. And no one mentioned <laughs> There's, yeah, not a line to be said. Like, even if he was like, they started to kiss and he's like, I thought you were interested in that uh, in the Mountie. You know, like something that acknowledges right, the rest right. of the movie. <laughs> Why do you taste like maple syrup? There we go. She's like, let's get somewhere comfortable. And telekinesis is the bed down. The other two get down. And to- he's like not at all surprised by it. And I know this is a big, big, broad universe. But if, if I was sitting next to I don't care if like there was a Mountie running around. But if a woman turned down the bed with laser vision, I would have some questions. <laughs> yeah, a few questions. Um. They go to the sex ed room, which is just a bed in the basement. Yeah, I thought that was a really delightful mm-hmm. little little sight gag. Uh, and then she's like, "These sheets aren't designer." And he's like, "Well, here's a framed picture of Neiman Marcus on the nightstand." <laughs> yeah, all they have there is high quality bed sheets and pillowcases. His like she's getting her engine going, it. sexy talk yeah. is thread count. Um. And then a really sorry bomb. Mute, skip ahead fifteen seconds. The the, the line being, there he hears a noise. He goes. To oh my god, this was great. He's like, do you want me to come with you? Oh, that'd be nice if we can work out the timing. And then he walks away. No, he leaves. She says it, and he comes back in yes. and kisses her, and is like, if we can work out the timing, and then leaves by himself. And it's just <laughs> so oh, good. Chef's kiss. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So he goes to explore a noise and he goes through one. It's like one of the swingy doors that doesn't have a a push or a pull. He goes through the other Mm -hmm. side, looks around, comes back on the other door, looks around, goes back through the same, the first door. And I was like, this could have been slightly improved with a revolving glass, with either a glass door or a revolving door. Right. Um, He gets killed. He gets got. um, And then... Oh, actually, so Andy was sleeping with Candy. I did write notes with names because they finish boning and she's like, you should go back to your room. And he does and sees uh, Randy's dead body and screams forever, which I loved. Yeah, yeah. It's a full on taking his name here because I wrote Randy is dead under the horse head. Yes. Like he must say Randy very pointedly. Like taking pauses to take a breath to scream more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not even caring if it's like a, a what kind what the scream sounds. It's great, uh, and then he yeah. gets got. It's excellent uh, through the bed like Jason Voorhees style. Yeah, it was crazy. And then Candy opens the door to Sandy, and she's got the the megaphone stabbed through her, and she falls on the ground. And so she like leans in and puts her ear to the cone, and she's like, "I don't hear a heartbeat," and runs away. <laughs> Also, before she came in, Carol Kane was, like, doing story time with her dolls. It was very odd. It was a choice. Um, So she runs around. (laughs) I genuinely loved that she's, like, so she's running around doing the final girl circuit, runs into Mandy's room, sees her dead body on the bathroom floor, and stops screaming and just, like, grabs the door and closes it. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, yes, very that. Too much of this, thank you. I've had enough. Very much like Clue, where he's like, "What?" Well, when uh, Colonel Mustard's like, "Nope, still two dead bodies. We're good." <laughs> Meanwhile, Pee Wee is serving like a very nice, fancy dinner. A night he made a nice stew for the I think it's Lieutenant and his horse. Yeah, and then they're like, "He's Lieutenant's like me and the horse are going to go up to the college." We'll leave now. And Pee Wee's like, what do I do with all these leftovers? I'll have to freeze them. You eat leftovers, but the horse doesn't. (laughs) And I was like, this world we've created is beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, I wanted to spend more time with Pee Wee. And like Pee Wee's Big Adventure and this world are pretty close. It's like in terms of their broad energy. Like if if Uh, Pee Wee, if Pee Wee met this character on Pee Wee's Big Adventure, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, it, I, there could be a really delightful bit where Pee-wee of Big Adventure meets this Pee-wee and is like, you look just like me! Ah! Like, that kind of nonsense could ensue, and I would be here for it. Very much. So, the lieutenant says... What number am I thinking of now? Kind of, like, stupid. We should trade places! Ah! <laughs> Let me try on your shoes! You know, like, that's sort of insanity. Yeah. That's what I want. So, the lieutenant says, won't you get off the horse's back... And I was like, oh, I realize there's seven minutes left in the movie, so it's not going to happen. I was like, yeah. we missed a great opportunity for the lieutenant to say, won't you get off get off his back, Johnson? And then we cut to Pee Wee literally sitting on the horse's back. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, that's that, that, we were so close. Yeah. It was there. Yeah, we were right there. It was right there. Um, There's the Jaws theme in the locker room as Candy hides in a, in a locker from the hunter. Uh, the killer and we see the killer's wearing a cheerleader skirt and has painted nails i see that's a pretty good freudian slip you made there what you said the hunter instead of oh yes it's tab hunter you're right um like picks at his i love that picking at the nails with the knife it's great um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they scuffle and he it's revealed that the killer is the quarterback or whatever from the beginning of the movie that we haven't seen for an hour and i was like this isn't fair (laughs) and obviously this is where the movie becomes a really elevated piece of art that's really seriously talking about the problems of toxic masculinity that run rampant through our (laughs) patriarchal society and this man who couldn't express himself the way he wanted to instead becomes a raging homicidal maniac and i for one was really glad to see i was shocked silly comedy had a had a very very salient point to make about such a you know such a big part of of masculine culture football and all that business no, instead, there's laser eyes again. There's well, no, instead, eyes. Edie McClurg ghost pops up as like an angel on the shoulder. That's right. And that's then right. being yes. like, don't you carry my knife? And then the coach pops up as a bubble on the other shoulder. And then the coach bubble strangles Edie McClurg bubble. Yes. And then he chases Carol Kane some more. Yeah. It's just, it's so bizarre to me that like Tab Hunter took this role. That is, I was like, how did this not, how are you not like, no, I won't, I will never, nope, nope, we're not gonna, I'm not gonna play a role that insinuates. He was, like, he was very famously not out, but everybody knew he was gay, right? That's the whole deal with Tab Hunter. I did yes not and no. So this, like, okay. like he was famously linked to like Natalie Wood and, um. Oh, was he on the boat? No, he was not on the boat. No, that that's okay. walking hull. Um, and, and Nicholson too, right? Jack Nicholson? 
No, it's just walking. I thought Nicholson was on the boat. No, I think I think, I think the, on the only boat. people on the boat were Natalie Wood, her husband, Walken, and the boat captain, as far as I know. Okay, because there's there's always been like the sort of like wink wink nudge nudge like Walken might have a career because he didn't he kept his mouth shut. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it, a friend texted me once like out of the blue like it haunts me sometimes to know that Christopher Walken probably knows what happened to Natalie Wood and just hasn't yeah. said like. It, I, it's right. chilling to think about sometimes. Allegedly, allegedly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you said probably. It's okay. Yeah. You didn't. We did not. I did not say. There was no implication that he was involved. No. in This podcast, just that he was on the boat. Yes, he was there. Um, like I remember reading that there's a a, a headline that said Natalie Wood and Tab wouldn't like oh. ev- like people. They were like winky winky about it. Um, but he never came out. I don't know when he officially came out because he was married to okay. a man for a while and like in the end was with a okay. man. Um, but I would assume that that was pr- he probably came out in like the 90s. Yeah. I mean, it had to be much later. Yeah. Um, probably around the time Rock Hudson. Time he was famous. Rock Hudson had AIDS yeah, in France. That would make sense. Um, I, I was. Gl- so as soon as I saw this, I was like, oh, God, like the. Th- the fact that this movie is just like, I wanted to be a cheerleader and I couldn't. And so that drove me crazy. And it wasn't anything beyond that. Shocking. feels like a miracle. It's just like, oh, thank God. What? I was so afraid of what you also, were Also, by the time next. they reveal, there's five minutes left in the movie. So they don't have time Barely. to do anything. <laughs> right, right. But like the big end reveal of, of Sleepaway Camp is obviously like a the character you thought was a woman actually has a penis. Oh my God. And like the, the fact that they don't do that here, I just, it just, it's because he's still wearing, he's still wearing his football uniform with the pads and a cheer skirt. So like, right. It's very silly. Yeah. Um, they run out to the football field. Carol, Carol Kane on the football field, like has a cup of soda or she takes it from Pepe. Oh, like as though he's like a Pepe and salt. Are having a picnic, right? Yeah, on the football field, okay. and like the the trays of water for marathon runners, the cups. She, that's how she treats that's it when right. he's holding it. So she like stops yeah. and takes a and takes a breather to sip, and then realizes Tab Hunter is on the uh, the statue. So she uses her telekinesis to throw stuff at him, including the kitchen sink. Which hey, I love that pun. Yeah, or yeah, not a pun. It's just that wordplay. Um, yeah, very Roger Rabbit. And then she starts. She starts yelling like as announcer. She voice, grabs like, oh, a microphone. Got the football. What will you do? And does yeah. like he goes down the field, and so Tap Hunter just takes off running, and then she telekinesis is the statue to chase him and squish him. Yeah, it's pretty silly but delightful. And then the Mountie shows up, and they ride away, and that's it. Yeah, he he swings her up, uh, like up you know onto the horse, and just clip clops out of the movie. And then we get a jumbotron uh, ending where we get like everyone's best line and like so-and-so as sandy so-and-so as glenn or whatever and i was like okay i guess but like this movie was so short it yeah it's it's 74 ish minutes because it's like once this starts there's about f- four minutes and there's like two and change so it might even be closer to 70 well i think minutes. it's 82 it's 80 minutes or 80 80 or 82 minutes of like the runtime. And yeah, so, it's, like, it's like just over eighty. So yeah, you take out fi- at least five minutes. Uh, it had yeah, so much I, promise. I was shocked. 
Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those ones where it's like, I think I would recommend this just because it's got a bunch of stuff that I liked. And it's so short that it never drags, which is normally the problem with something like this. It's, where it's funny. Like, I, I, I looked up reviews because I, I wanted to see contemporary reviews. To, or Yeah, yeah. But yeah, c- contemporary meaning of the time it came out. Of the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I couldn't find any. There were I could not find a single review for this movie, which is shocking considering how many yeah. people were in it. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it was a big deal at the time. And then there were some current day reviews and one was like an hour and seven or 75 minutes never felt so long. And I was like, I mean, it maybe drags for a few minutes in the middle, but like it's it's breezy. Yeah. And there's a there's a solid joke at least every five minutes or so. Yeah, you so get several it, jokes. It, you could do way worse than this. There's more jokes in this than in any of the blank movies from the early 2000s. Yes, for sure. Like your date movie or what have you. Epic movie or whatever the frick. Yeah. I'm sorry I bring up date movie so much. It's just that you, it was like I I had a real thing stuck in my craw because you liked it. And you were like, it's really funny. And I was like, I don't think it's really funny. And you're like, no, it's really funny. And then we watched it and I was just like seething the whole time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I look back now and I hate that I watched that. Like it's yeah, no, it's yeah, garbage. We were five years apart, so you were probably nine. Like, yeah. it was a jokes for a nine-year-old. Like, you shouldn't feel bad about it, but I, I was too old for it, and I was seething. Yeah. I was also probably up my own ass, which well. is, you know, the state of being for a lot of my life. <laughs> I would give this a light recommend. There's like It's hard to find. versions of it. Yeah, well, it's bizarrely... It's not available anywhere for rental. There's some very shitty versions of it on YouTube, or you can pay, like... It's one of those movies that insanely has a $40 or $45 Blu-ray version put out by, I think it was vinegar syndrome. One of those boutique get, they get it and remaster it and put it out. And I just like, I don't mean this to be mean, but like, this is a movie you did that. Like who's buying a $40 Blu-ray of pandemonium? Like what is the audience for that? Well, it's, it's, uh, this feels like prime shutter real estate. Like, I don't understand how this isn't on shutter. It should be on shutter. Yeah. Yeah, or the depths of prime or a 2B. Like, how is this? The, the the answer almost always in situations like this is no one knows who owns the rights and therefore no one cares. Yeah, okay. Because it's, it's probably, it was probably made by one studio that went out and its rights got bought by another studio and got bought by another studio. I, I, I remember hearing a story on something else where uh, a writer was trying to track down who had the rights to a specific character that was like a side character in something else. And it turned out to be owned by Fox or Disney or a major corporation. And they basically told him like, we think we own it, but we don't care enough to go looking for it. And so we won't do this for you. <laughs> and the person like that was the dead end of like, I can't pr- proceed. They couldn't even be like, just do it. No, because like if they don't own it, it could be a problem. Oh, so I don't understand like, how there's not like a control F of some kind for like who do <laughs> well, we own? Like for for certain things, I think it's like so minor that it never gets digitized, and it's like in some filing cabinet in some storage facility and somewhere. And it was like the they he was like they straight up told me we think we own it, we can't confirm it because we're not willing to do the work. So you'd have to do it at your own risk. Honest. That was funny, but I think assume that's I assume that's what happens in these situations. It's like probably a bunch of studios are gone, and now no one knows who owns this, and therefore it just rots away. Because there's way like there's way worse shit around that is on various streaming oh, yeah. services. That this this could be a much better use of your time than many of those things. I agree. 
So, so light gun, but there, there is some really terrible quality versions of it on YouTube, which is maybe why I thought the horse puppet was a puppet in some scenes. Oh, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, this is this was this was a pretty fun one. So thank you, Michelle, for uh, yes, thank you. We, we we had a good time here. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Listener request month continues. Uh, next week will be not next week, but not next week. Sorry, next episode, which should be the seventeenth, will be uh, War of the Roses with uh, Danny DeVito. And then the following episode is Outrageous Fortune mm-hmm. on the 31st. Is that right? Okay. So that's the the rest of this month coming up. Uh, thank you so much for, for listening to the show. Don't forget to head over to patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s. There will be a bonus episode early June, most likely, uh, on the Frog Dreaming. Frog AKA Dreaming, the a.k.a. Quest. The Quest. So that'll be the bonus. But there's right now, if you sign up at the $5 level, more than 15 hours of bonus content that you get access to instantaneously. When you sign up, you get everything. You don't just get the new stuff going forward. You get the whole back catalog. Um, so heavy hitters hiding in there. Top Gun. Yes. Uh, Footloose. Uh, D- Dirty Dancing. Roger Rabbit. Yes. All of that is there. So, and you will also get the uh, archive of of all the old episodes that we have pulled from the feed because we don't want people listening to our poorly produced audio anymore and making judgments about the podcast. So, everybody on the Patreon, no matter what level, gets those episodes as of May one. Uh, so you're hearing this, and that has happened. So you get all of that content plus all of the old content as well that has that has been tucked away not because we're embarrassed by the content but because we're embarrassed by the audio quality yes. we were recording with rock band mics i mean i i'd be more than happy to do another golden girls episode or uh, yeah. uh murder she wrote uh, we we could go uh, you know we could go back to those i i don't think they sound like unlistenable but i don't want you know first impressions matter they do people are like why do you sound like shit so i don't want to sound like shit uh, that's that's where we're at. So thank you so much for listening to the show. I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until next time. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.